praise team, thank you. Man, they did great, didn't they? Fantastic, wonderful. Give them a big hand. Uh, of course, their fearless leader, my beloved wife, Angie's not here today. Uh, she's in Waco, Texas, trying out at a church down there in Waco. And uh, I hope they don't vote her in because uh, that would be bad for me, huh? So glad you're here. Welcome to Cavanaugh Church, your church for life. That's, that's our motto, and, and we mean that. We want to be your church for life. Uh, from the cradle to the grave and everywhere in between, uh, we want to be able to minister to you and help you grow in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, which is really the most important thing. This morning I'm going to read from Joshua chapter 1, and I want to talk to you about possessing your future and how you can make your life count in 2016 and even beyond that. Joshua chapter 1 is a great chapter. I read it every year at the first of the year. I was reading it at the first part of this week. Actually, I had planned on preaching something different this Sunday, but uh, on Monday and Tuesday, I spent a lot of time in Joshua 1. And uh, so I'm just going to kind of give you the overflow of what God spoke to my heart about earlier this week. Here it is, Joshua 1, beginning in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the river Jordan into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to the Lebanon, and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you will be prosperous and very successful." Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. For your very own. <laughs> Lord, I thank you for this wonderful passage and the challenge it brings to us. I pray, dear Lord, that as I try to speak it on the outside, your spirit would put it in our hearts. Help us, dear Lord, to make our lives count. Help us to possess the future that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, Joshua is one of my personal heroes. General Douglas MacArthur said that Joshua was one of the greatest generals who ever lived. The one thing I like about him is that he accomplished the impossible in spite of incredible odds 
and opposition. I mean, when you study his life, you realize that his whole life was one entire battle. One battle after another battle. One year after another year. Fight after fight, battle after battle. Hey, some of you can identify with that, huh? Your whole life has been a battle. Yet, Joshua never gave up. The background of Joshua chapter 1 is that the children of Israel were on the verge of marching into the promised land. They had been 40 years in the desert, 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Now they come up ready to cross the Jordan River, knowing that they are going to go in and possess this great land that God has promised to them. So God says through Moses to the people in verse 11, three days from now, You're going to cross the Jordan River to go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you for your very own. God said, Joshua, you've got a tremendous future in front of you. I am going to do great things in your life and through your life. Everything that I've promised and even more. But Joshua, you need to understand it's going to be a fight. There are going to be several battles that you must fight. God says, I'm going to give it to you, but you're going to have to fight for it. So, what is your future going to hold? What is 2016 going to hold for us? The answer to that is that it's going to hold a mixture. There are going to be a mixture of both blessings and battles. Now, we like the blessings part, don't we? Lord, pour it on us. We don't like to hear that battle part, but yet that's what it's going to be. God says to you this morning, I have great things that I want to do in and through your life. I have things that you haven't even imagined yet that I want to do in you and through you. I really want to bless your life. And you need to understand that your past, everything behind you is simply a prologue. All of your best days are in front of you. But it's going to be a battle. I've got your future out there for you. But you have to go possess it. So how do you do that? I mean, how do we possess our future? Well, it's by doing the same things that God told Joshua to do in Joshua chapter 1. In Joshua 1, God gives Joshua a little pep talk. We all need that from time to time, don't we? God gave me my pep talk earlier this week. And I'm just trying to to communicate that same pep talk to you. He says, I know you're going to be in battles for the next 25 years, Joshua. So I want to encourage you. I want you to do three things. And if you will do these three things I'm telling you to do, your life will be successful. In fact, the word success is used twice in this chapter. God is saying, if you will do these three things, I guarantee success in your future. It is his strategy for success. It is his strategy for possessing your future. They're simple, but they're profound. So do you want to be successful in 2016? Do you want to make your life count? Do you want to possess your future? Three of you do. Come on, come on, people. Do ya? Okay, here's the three things you need to do. Number one, you need to set up a plan. That's real simple. 
We know this, but do we do it? We need to set up a plan. I'm not talking about just making New Year's resolutions. I'm talking about making a life plan. God says you've got to have a plan for the future. And you might be sitting there thinking, well, that sounds really unspiritual, Pastor. Well, why does it sound unspiritual? God plans. God planned everything that is here today. God has a plan for your life. And if you're going to be like God, you need to learn how to plan. You need a plan for your future because you know what? That's where you're going to spend the rest of your life. And if you don't plan it, I guarantee you somebody else is going to plan it for you. <laughs> so why don't you and God do it? Verses 2 and 3, God said to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River. Did you get that? Get ready to cross the Jordan River. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Two words I want you to notice in these verses is get ready. Get ready. God says get ready for the future. You need to prepare for the future. You've got to prepare to possess what God has already promised. Get ready. Well, what's Joshua's response to this? Verse 11a. So Joshua ordered the people, get your provisions ready. You know the future belongs to the person who prepares for it. So you got to set up a plan. Now a couple of things about setting up your plan, preparing a plan. First of all, you're never going to possess your future if you're stuck in your past. Okay? You're never going to prepare and possess your future if you're always looking in the rearview mirror. Okay? The first thing God has to say to jo Joshua is, Moses, that great leader, Moses, my servant, is dead. Made me ask myself a question. Will, what do you need to bury in your life? What's dead in your life you need to put behind you? So I'm going to ask you that question. What do you need to bury in your life? What is it that you need to let go of? It's dead. It's over. You need to bury it. You know, the, the most difficult thing to do is to keep a corpse, a dead body or a dead animal from stinking. Because they're going to stink. Anything dead is going to produce an odor. The only thing you can do is bury it. And there are some things you need to let go of in your life. There are some things you need to bury. Why? Because they're stinking up your life. You can't get on with your future if you're living in your past. So he says, Moses is dead. That error is over. Second thing he says, get ready to cross the River Jordan. In other words, you've got to prepare. You've got to plan it out. And let me tell you, God is very specific in his planning. Notice what he says to Joshua. He says, here's where you're going to go. I'm going to draw you a map. I want you to write this map down. I'm telling it to you. You draw it out. Here's, here's it. You're going to go from the Sinai to the Lebanon. You're going to go from the great river Euphrates all the way over to the Mediterranean Sea. That's the map of your future. Sit down and draw it out. Map it out. Plan it out. It's your future. Question is, 
Where do you want to be this time next year? Where do you want your life to go from now to the end of 2016? Not only that, what about the next five years? What about the next ten years? You're either going to have a destiny, a map, a plan, or you're just going to drift. You might look at me with confusion in your eyes and say, I won't do that. But you know what? If you don't have your destiny planned out, something you're going to, you're just going to drift through the rest of your life. And you'll come to this point next year and you'll say, where did, where did 2016 go? And really, what did I do? I, I didn't even clean my closet out. Anyway, that's, that's on my list. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, let me get a drink of water, and I'm going to go on, all right? You, you need to rest, too. But don't go to sleep. I, I recently read a, about a study that was done that, uh, that was pretty amazing to me. Let me give you the reports of it. Here's what they discovered. 27%, 27% of all Americans have given absolutely no thought, zero thought to their future. 60% of Americans have given some thought to their future. Usually it's in the area of finances. 10% of Americans have given serious thought to their future. And only 3% of Americans have actually written down goals and a plan to get to those goals, to reach those goals. Only 3%. The amazing thing is they studied these people and they went back, and here's what they found out about these four groups. Here it is. Almost all of the people who had given no thought to their future, 27% of Americans, were living on welfare. Most of the 60% who had given some thought to the future were just barely making it. Paycheck to paycheck, week to week. All of the 10% who had given serious thought to their future were what we would call successful. They were doing well. Those who had written their goals down and mapped out their life were highly successful. They were the top achievers in the nation. In fact, those 3% who had actually written down their goals and mapped out a way to reach those goals were out achieving everybody else 10 to 1. I don't know if that means anything to you, but it, it certainly caught my attention. I thought that was interesting. And then they studied that top 13%. The 10% who had given, you know, a great deal of thought to the future. And then the 3% who had actually written down their goals. They had studied these two groups and compared them. And what they found out is there were really no differences between these groups of people. As far as education was concerned. As far as gifts and abilities and talents were concerned. The only noticeable difference was the fact that the 3% actually wrote the things down on paper and mapped out a way to get there. I guess that's pretty important, isn't it? And I guess that's why God said to Joshua, here's your future. Here's the route I want you to take. You write it down, you map it out, and you achieve it. Then in verse 10 it says, So Joshua ordered the leaders to go through the camp of Israel and tell everyone, Prepare your provisions 
In three days you're going to cross the Jordan. And you're going to go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving for your very own. Again, notice here. God says the promised land is your future. But you get to go in and take possession of it. I'm not just going to hand it to you on a silver platter. This is not going to be just a cakewalk. You've got to go in and fight for it. You've got to go in and take possession of it. So what does he say? Prepare your provisions. What's he talking about there? Well, he's telling them to get their supplies ready. He's saying, pack your bags. So, have you packed your bags for 2016? Or are you just going to drift through it? Have you made any plans about where you want to be this time next year? With your family, with your finances, with your career. What about with your ministry in this church and for the kingdom of God? What about your relationship with Jesus Christ? I mean, if you don't have any goals out there of being more Christ-like and ways to achieve those goals, you're just going to drift through 2016 this time next year. You're not going to be that much closer to Jesus. You're going to be that much further away from Jesus. One of my favorite verses is Psalms 20, verse 4. It's really a prayer. It says, may he, God, may God give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. My, oh, my. Isn't that a great verse? Did you even know that verse was in the Bible? God says, I want to give you the desire of your heart and I want to make your plans succeed. Here's the problem. God can't make your plan succeed if you've never made any plans. God can't bless them until you make them. So really, God is waiting on you. The Bible says, I give you a choice, life or death, blessing or curse. God wants to bless your life. He wants to make your plan succeed, but you've got to make plans. Really, the Bible has so much to say about the wisdom of planning. You go back and read through the Bible with that thought in mind. It's amazing what you come up with. The book of Proverbs is filled with it. In fact, the, the book of Proverbs says, look at the ant. He says, the ant, the ants are, are really smarter than most people. Because ants plan. They store up for the winter in the summer. Most of us don't even do that. At least 27% of us don't you got to make plans for the future. Jesus talked about it. Luke chapter 14, Jesus said, No king goes to battle without, first of all, making a plan. He also said, No builder will build a tower without first drawing a plan out. I'm not, I'm not being mean to you. Do you think I'm being mean to you this morning? I'm not trying to be mean to you, and you're going to think this is rude. It's not rude, it's just an observation. Most people have spent more time planning their summer vacation than they have planning their life. And again, I'm certainly not picking on you ladies, but you know, most, most women spend more time planning their wedding than they do in planning their life. And my land's a wedding's just one day. In fact, the ceremony takes only 30 minutes, but you got the rest of your life to live. So what have you done to plan that out? We make business plans. Why don't we make life plans? But here's the key to it all. Listen to this. Since we don't know the future, and I don't, do you? 
Since we don't know the future, we've got to give God the right to change our plans. That's why it says in the book of James, when you plan, you don't say we're going to do this, this, and this. You say we're going to do this, this, and this if it is the Lord's will. In other words, I don't know what's going to be around the next turn. I don't know what's coming tomorrow in my life, what the future holds. But it doesn't mean that I don't make plans because God wants me to plan. It doesn't mean that I don't plan for the future because I do plan for the future. God knows the future. I just give God the right to change my plans. He still wants me to make plans even if he has full intentions to change those plans. Earlier this week when I was thinking about this, I thought about when I was younger, much younger in ministry. Boy, I had some big plans. One of them was to stay in Texas for the rest of my ministry and my life. Boy, that was a great plan. I can remember the day I surrendered that plan to God, though, and gave him the right to change it. And Boy, he did, I'm telling you question is this, how do you have plans that will succeed? How in the world am I going to be successful in 2016, five years from now, ten years from now? Proverbs 16.3 gives us that answer. Commit whatever you do to the Lord. You commit whatever you do to the Lord, then your plans will be successful. Woo! That's awesome. So you commit whatever you do to the Lord and it will succeed. You surrender your plans to Him. You make your plans, but you say, Lord, this is the best I can do with what I got. I'm surrendering all these plans to You, and I give You the right to change them whenever and however You want. And you surrender it to God. So, God said to Joshua, set up a plan. Number two, He says, stay in the Word. God said to Joshua, you're going to be in battles for the next 25 years. You're going to be fighting one battle after another. So your Bible is going to be your instruction manual for conflict. It's the manual for the battles that we face in life. Notice what he said in verse 7. Be careful to obey all the law. That is the word of God. Do not turn from it to the right or the left so that you may be successful wherever you go. What he's saying there is this. Don't get sidetracked. Okay. Have you noticed how easy it is to get sidetracked in life? I mean, even, even for, for Christians, to, to, to get off into other things that really aren't that important, that really don't matter, that are trivial. I see people do this all the time. I see people every year come into this church. They get excited for the Lord. They give their lives to Christ. They start out great. I mean, if it was a, if it was a sprint... They would, they, just, they would just take off from the starting block. They'd have a great start. But somewhere along the way, they get sidetracked. They detour. They deviate. Sometimes, sometimes it's by good things. All of a sudden, they get sidetracked by their career. And their job becomes more important than church or serving the Lord or family. They get sidetracked by sports. Oh, I'm meddling now, aren't I? Or a hobby. Or a financial difficulty. You can even get sidetracked with your family. Somehow, 
they lose focus on the Word of God. And some of you are going to get sidetracked spiritually this year. I pray that it doesn't happen. And I don't want it to happen. But you know what? It is going to happen to a few of you in this room. Why? Because you don't stay in the Word of God. I mean, that's the key, staying in the Word of God. You don't believe me? Look at verse 8, one of the greatest promises of the Bible. Verse 8 says, do not let this book of the law, that is your Bible, do not let the Bible depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you will be prosperous. Then you will be successful. That's amazing. In verse 7 and 8, the word success is promised twice. In verse 7, God says, don't turn to the right or to the left. You stay with the Bible. You stay in the Word of God and you will be successful. Then right here in verse 8, he says, you keep your mind saturated in the Word of God and you will be successful. I think the point is real simple. God, God's promise of success has absolutely nothing to do with your ability. God's promise of success in your life has everything to do with your commitment to His Word. And that's good news, man, because I understand it's not my ability. It's, it's not my brain. It, it's not my ingenuity that is going to make me successful in life. It is my commitment to God and His Word because he said right here, Will, I promise you, dude, if you make a commitment to my word and live out my word, I will make your life successful. So how do you stay in the word? He tells us right there in verse 8, number one, don't let it depart out of your mouth. That is, you talk about the word of God. You, talk, you verbalize it. You talk about the word. You bring it up in conversations every, every day. You talk about the word of God. Talk about God. Number two, meditate on it day and night. That means you think about the Word of God. So I'm reading it, I'm thinking about it, I'm talking about it. And then number three, he says, be careful to do everything that is written in it. That is, I live out the Word of God. Those three things, I talk about it, I think about it, I live out the Word of God. That's the way I stay in the Word. So, set up a plan. Number two, stay in the Word if you want to make a success of 2016. It was Spurgeon who said, a Bible that is falling apart is usually owned by a Christian who isn't falling apart. So there you go, it's your choice. Then finally, number three, I'm about done, and the people said, oh, I can go on, let me tell you. But number three, here it is, step out in faith. You set up a plan, you stay in the Word. You step out in faith. I like the word step out because that's what faith is. Faith is an action. A lot of people think that faith is just something you believe. But let me tell you, faith is more than just mental assent. It's more than just knowing. It's an action. I can believe a plane will fly. But it doesn't mean anything until I get on board. Until I take the step of faith and get on board, it means nothing. People say all the time, I believe in Jesus. Well, big deal. So what? The devil does too. Hmm? Faith means that you commit yourself to something. You've got to step out in faith. Because faith is an action. 
three times in this passage, there's a phrase that is used. God says, be strong and courageous. He said it in verse 6, verse 7, and verse 9. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Three times God said that to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. It's like he said, get this message. I want, I want you to get this. Get this. There's going to be a lot of things in your life that are going to distract you, Joshua, or discourage you, or depress you. Therefore, you need to get this. Be strong. Be courageous. Step out in faith. Now, what gave Joshua the confidence to do that, to step out in faith? Well, verse 9, God said, Remember, I have commanded you to be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is going to be with you wherever you go. <laughs> That's quite a promise. What gave Joshua his confidence to move ahead? Well, it was God. God said, remember who you're doing this for, Joshua. You're doing this for the King of Kings. You are representing the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You are on a divine assignment from Almighty God. Who do you think told you to do all this? It's me, it's God. And if I told you to do it, I'm going to be with you, man. I can tell you what, church, that, that's the great thing about being in God's will. Because when he tells you to do something, he gives you the power to do it. God has never sponsored a flop. God says, I'm going to be with you. So step out in faith. Step out in faith. But also notice this. Two words, the word afraid and the word discouraged. Afraid and discouraged. Here's what he said, remember I have commanded you to be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you. These two things, fear and discouragement, are the two enemies that are going to keep you and prevent you from possessing your future and making your life count. These two things will keep you from becoming all God wants you to be. Fear and discouragement. I know this for two reasons. Number one, the Bible says it. Number two, I know it from personal experience. Fear. Fear keeps us from getting started with what God wants us to do. A little voice speaks in our head and says, don't even give it a try, man. You, you, you know, you're, you're a failure before you even begin, so don't even start it because you know how it's going to end. You're going to fail. And we're afraid. We have fear, so we don't step out in faith. Then discouragement. Discouragement comes in the middle of a project. Discouragement keeps us from continuing. Discouragement keeps us from finishing. It's the double-powered whammy that hits us. Fear and discouragement. And they keep you from making your life count. They keep you from being everything God has made you to be. But the Bible says don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. God said that because he said I'm with you. And that's the bottom line. Really, really listen guys. It is, it is fear that is, that is keeping you out in the desert instead of going into the promised land. I mean, you could be living in the promised land. You could be everything God wants you to be, but you're afraid. And so you stay out in the wilderness. God says, don't be afraid or discouraged. You step out 
in faith. Now, I, I want to I jet over to chapter 3 and tell you how they stepped out in faith. Look at chapter 3, verse 15. As soon as the priest stepped into the water, the water stopped and it actually piled up. The water piled up. That's amazing. The, the, the river was flowing. And it wasn't until the priest stepped into the water. They took that step of faith that the water actually stopped and, and it piled up. And if you keep reading this passage, it's pretty interesting. It tells us that the priests, the preachers, had to stand there in the middle of the river while over a million people passed through. They, had to, they were the last ones out of the riverbed. They are the ones who had, you know what they had to have? Not only starting faith, but they had to have extended faith. They had to keep believing that the water wouldn't start up again. They, they literally had to step out in faith and, and live in faith. What a beautiful lesson for us to learn today. I think the principle is, is, is pretty obvious. The first step is the hardest step. It really is. In, in anything in life, in writing a term paper, for me writing a sermon, what's the most difficult sentence? It's the first sentence. There's a, there's a bunch of guys here in this room that play football. They, they know that the first hit is always the hardest hit. I mean, after the first hit, it, it gets a little better. It's not nearly as bad. The first step is always the hardest step. Spiritually, it's the same way. The first step is the hardest. But if you take that initial step and say, God, I'm going to trust you with my life and I'm going to believe in you, God's going He's going to make you successful. But you've got to step out in faith. So i, I got to ask you this as I close. What is your Jordan River? What's, what's that barrier that's in front of you that, that's actually keeping you from becoming all God wants you to be? Where is that barrier in your life? Maybe, maybe it's in a relationship, a career. Maybe, maybe something you're holding on to that you need to let go of and put behind you. What, what in the world is keeping you in the wilderness when you could be living in the promised land? Joshua 3.5, Joshua told the people, here, here's the key right here. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself for tomorrow. God is going to do some amazing things among you. Isn't that great? Consecrate yourself, surrender yourself, dedicate yourself. You, you get ready to cross the Jordan because tomorrow God is going to do some amazing things in your life. Hey, Kavanaugh, people, listen to me. Get ready for something big. The best is yet to come. Consecrate yourself. You surrender yourself. You dedicate yourself to God. You set up a plan for this next year. And you say, God, here's the plan. I think you've put this in my heart. But you know what? I've written it down. I've, I've, I've got the goals in front of me. But Lord, I'm surrendering this plan to you. If you want to change it, you, you just direct me. That's what I want to do. And God, I promise. I promise I'm going to stay in your word. Because Brother Wills preached it this morning. I've seen it with my own eyes. You promise success to those who stay in your word. 
So I'm going to talk about your word. I'm going to think about your word. I'm going to live out your word every day. And Lord, I promise from this point on, I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to cross the barriers that the devil has put up in my life. I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to live in faith. Because I want my life to count. Do you? I mean, do you? I was pretty young when I started writing out goals. I think God put certain goals and, and, and a map in my heart of what he wanted me to do in the future. And, and, and I've written those out and I've tried my best to, to, to fulfill those and live those. And I know God, God's blessed me, man. God's blessed me. I, I used to think when I was younger, you know, when I get older, everything's going to get easier. <laughs> it, it doesn't, man. I mean, it gets tougher. It gets more difficult. There's... There, the battles that I face now are much more serious than the ones I faced when I was 25 years old. I can tell you that. You know, you, you get to a place. I would you all say I'm middle age? Please. <laughs> I guess, I guess it, it all depends on where you are on the spectrum of things, huh? Dude, I, I real, here's reality. I'm 54. I'm, 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 I'm getting old. I'm, I guess I'm on the downhill slide of things. Oh, that's sad, isn't it? Quit laughing. Whoever was laughing, let's laugh you silly if you keep laughing at that. You know what I've realized this week? I don't, I don't have a whole lot longer left. I really don't. Because life is like a vapor. I, I don't have a lot of time left. But you know what? what? What I do have left, I want it to count for God. I want my life to count. And I do want to possess the future God has for me. And I so desire that for you. Church, let's be all that we can be for the Lord Jesus Christ in 2016. Let's make our life count. Let's make our families count. Let's make this church count. Heavenly Father, I pray your blessing on, on what we've talked about today. I pray that